This is where the big social, political and religious dilemmas of our day are debated. The Interrogator from the Fifth Column This podcast should raise a few emotional hackles. Abortion. It comes and goes in headlines, but when it does, the mudslinging as well as propaganda slips swiftly into overdrive. It means neither side's position is fully interrogated. That changes now. As I have with me Suzanne Moore, award-winning columnist of The Guardian, and Dr Peter Saunders, chief executive of the Christian Medical Fellowship, which numbers among its members 4,500 doctors. So a few facts before we get underway. The Abortion Act of 1967 says an abortion must be carried out before 24 weeks, although sometimes this is extended. About 200,000 embryos are aborted every year in the UK, and the majority are carried out before 13 weeks. The abortion rate is highest among women aged between 19 and 21. There's a gulf between pros and antis, but, put simply, pro-lifers think of abortion as a defeat for humanity, the religious among them believing we must not tamper with God's creation. The pro-choicers think a woman's right to decide what she does with her own body is paramount. And if religion comes into it, well, in one of our guests' own words, there are cries of, get your rosaries off my ovaries. That guest is Suzanne Moore. Suzanne. One commentator has said that it doesn't make you a bigot to be a bit sad that 200,000 embryos are killed every year. It makes you human. Even if anybody raises any doubts or questions about abortion, they're sort of instantly branded a bit of a lunatic in this society. In most polls, the majority of people are not delighted with people having abortions, but they support a woman's right to choose. Um, Amongst people who are pro-choice... We often do talk about the difficulties of um, how women feel. We have a a figure at the moment of 200,000 a year. How many is too many? I mean, is there a figure that would actually disturb you per year? I would prefer for there to be less abortions and for contraception to be um, 100% effective and more widely used. Some of the problems are to do with um, sex education. There is an idea that we um, have too much sex education, that somehow sex education leads to sex. Somehow ignorance is uh, better than um, knowing the facts. Um, I would like contraception to be the responsibility of men as well as women. At the moment, it's mostly the responsibility of women. And also, there is a kind of silly idea that all contraception is 100% effective all the time. It simply isn't. But, I mean, you're very hot on, you know, and you're a very strong advocate for women's rights, but what about responsibility, potentially? Some people would say you have a responsibility to look after, when you've made a baby, look after that baby until it's born. No, I do, I do not accept that I have a responsibility to use my body to produce another human being that I cannot or do not want to look after. I do not see that as a contribution to society. I see, in fact, you know, 65,000 children in care at the moment. I don't think we're exactly short of children in the world. I do not see my role as a woman to produce a child that I cannot or do not want, no. I do not believe it is up to uh, strangers, be they doctors or be they MPs or the state, to intervene in basically private matters. I know you've talked about a lot of children in care, but we are still having a situation where lots of people can't have children and would produce a home for these children. So surely that's, is that not a good option for people? Are you saying that women who become pregnant 
do not want a child should carry the child to term and hand it over to a supposedly lovely couple waiting at the other end. In fact, my mother was adopted that way. Um, I don't think it was something that she ever, ever got over, to be honest. Uh, when I had my first child, the woman next to me in the bed next to me had given away her first child at 14. And having her second child, which she then had to pretend was her first child, of course, to the world, um, was a deeply distressing experience. So are you her. saying it's more traumatic to have a baby and give it away than it is to have an abortion? In my experience, yes. In Germany, the physician must be separate from the counsellor and a woman must wait three days before her decision and then the operation. Just to use their abortion rates as a comparison, theirs is half of the UK's. And I just wondered if you think there's a cultural difference here or we've got different factors which make us more keen on abortion. I don't think anyone's keen on abortion. I think the German situation is very good. I think the Dutch situation is very good. I think we have... Um, we see less abortion rates in Scandinavia where we see also much more open sex education and that's where I'd make the link. You'd make the link between the sex education making that difference? Uh, yes. I know the difference between having an abortion and losing a child that you want. I've had a miscarriage, I've had an ectopic pregnancy. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And I tell you what, nobody offered me any counselling for that. There wasn't any aftercare for that. If we really want to be concerned about women, why don't you ask women what upsets them about abortion, what upsets them about childbirth, what upsets them about losing a baby? And I tell you that, in my experience, losing a wanted child... Is, is a very different experience to deciding that you cannot possibly continue with the pregnancy. You've also said, just to, just to come back to that original soundbite, uh, you know, get your rosaries off my ovaries, it's very catching, but, you, you know, you've accused Christians in particular of seeing abortion rights as a threat to the nuclear family, wanting to reinterpret sex education so children only talk about, talk about sex within marriage and, and sort of generally putting the clock back. But are those no sweeping generalisations about Christianity and what Christians believe? Anybody who has any politics and has uh, looked at this issue for the last 20 years, actually, um, will see how abortion is used in the so-called culture wars that we import from America. So we are at the moment living in a very conservative time. Um, the clock is going back on women's rights in many ways, and this is another way that it's going back. Yes, in some ways I'm generalising from America and from Europe. Yes, that's true. On the other hand, I would like to say that I think we have some absolutely brilliant politicians here. When you look at the 67 Act, when you look at David Steele and what those people did, they if there had been focus groups in that time, nobody would have pushed through that act. The reason that people got together and pushed through that act is because too many women were dying of um, uh, septic abortion, septicemia, and people thought this is no longer right, we shouldn't have this anymore. Thank you very much for that, Suzanne. So moving over to Dr Peter Saunders. Peter, you're accused of caring more for the unborn than the born. Well, I think it, it comes down to the big question of what is human life and what is it worth? And there was a picture of a two-week-old baby girl who'd just been pulled out of the earthquake rubble in Turkey, being gently cradled by her rescuers. And what that picture tells us is that human life is incredibly precious. The question that we're debating is whether human life a few weeks earlier than that is equally precious. And my own view would be that regardless of age, sex, race, 
uh, beauty, intelligence or wantedness or how much people are loved, all human life is equally precious. But and what so, about the human lives of people who are carrying babies that they can't care for, they can't look after, and actually they'd give that baby a pretty rotten life if they came well, into the world? Well, that's, that's a very good question. But the, the first question you've got to answer is, is all human life equally precious? And I would start by saying that whether it's a baby in the womb at 21 days where the heart's just started beating, or at eight weeks where all the organs are there, so at the time of birth, or whether it's a very old person, or regardless of the age, sex, or whatever, all human beings are equally precious. What happens when the rights of different human beings conflict? And whereas I'd say all human beings are equally precious and important, I think that there is a hierarchy of rights. Some rights are more fundamental than others. We'd say that the right to food, education, health and clothing are pretty fundamental human rights. But the most fundamental right of all, the right on which all other rights are predicated, is the right to life. Okay, but what about the right to actually a good life? Because, you know, your wish for fewer abortions and babies to put put up for adoption, isn't that a kind of like Pollyanna kind of solution? Because, you know... A baby could be given into a home where they're then abused. They could have a very, very bad experience of being adopted. And then you've subjected a baby that wasn't wanted in the first place to a very, very bad life. The right to life is the most fundamental. The right to a good life is dependent uh, upon the right to life. And you will be able to speak to many people who've been through the adoption experience who will see it as a very positive thing. We actually have a system at the moment which is in crisis. And I'll just quote, last year, just 60 babies under the age of one were adopted out of 3,600. We don't have enough people in this country who are wanting or coming forward at least or getting through the current process to adopt. So if we have fewer adoptions, aren't we going to have thousands of babies, thousands more babies who aren't cared for? No, because uh, baby adoptions compared to later adoptions where children are perhaps coming from families where they've been very damaged, uh, baby adoptions are relatively uh, straightforward. The pattern of adoption has changed. Back in 1967, there was a much larger number running into thousands of baby adoptions. Now the majority of children being adopted are older than a year, and many of them uh, have quite significant special needs as well. They're much more of a challenge to look after. But there are a huge number of infertile couples in this country who are unable to adopt babies, who would be very willing to, but there are no babies available for adoption. What about the woman in all of this? What's the rights of the woman? Well, the woman is a person with rights as well, but my point is that the right to life is a more fundamental right. Than the right for a woman. And it trumps other rights. Are you not more into the the control of women and also putting them in a situation where they feel sexual shame, this pressure that that right trumps their right to their own choice? Uh, Let's put it around this way. If you have a two-year-old child, what justifiable reason would there be for taking the life of a two-year-old child? That would be my question. And if you say that a particular reason isn't a reason for taking a two-year-old's life, then it also, I would say, is not a reason for taking the life of a child uh, two and a half years younger than that in the middle of pregnancy. 
Let's talk about the religious side of things and specifically the Christian Medical Fellowship. I want to quote something from the website. We confess to having failed millions of mothers, fathers and unborn babies by being silent. We confess to having allowed a slippery slope whereby abortion is almost on demand. We pledge to preserve life from conception to natural death so that abortion becomes very rare. What does very rare mean? I think it's a question of what uh, is really achievable. If we look at it on a world scale, and I think it's important to do that, there are 196 countries in the world. Only 56 of them have legal abortion uh, for a whole variety of reasons. In the other 140, abortion is actually illegal. I personally would like to see abortion made illegal, and that's because I believe that abortion involves taking the life of an innocent human being and that we shouldn't be taking the lives of children before birth for reasons that we're not taking them after birth. That's my personal opinion. Let me put to you a case where you might feel it's appropriate for there to be abortion and you would have an exemption. What about pregnancy following rape? Is that not surely a case for an exemption to what you're saying is effectively you want to ban on abortion? Well, most countries with even very strict laws will make an exception for difficult cases like rape or incest or um, severe congenital abnormality. My personal position on that would be that uh, the child, a child should not be killed so you for, would, you for would, the you, crime of its father. You would still that, that expect is, a woman my, to go through being. with a full pregnancy, having see, been raped and having something put inside her that she didn't want. I see the, the unborn child as... As, as an innocent victim in the whole thing, and I see the woman as a, as a second desperately innocent victim. Can you imagine your whole body and your whole life completely changing because of something that had happened to you and having to go through something for nine months that you with with something you didn't want? I I can't start to imagine. I'm not I'm not a woman. The only trial that's ever been done on this whole question. In, uh, in raped women was in the States about 20 or 30 years ago. And they, they actually found that 80% of those women, uh, when given the option after being raped, actually wanted to, to keep the baby. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Peter Saunders. So this is your opportunity, Suzanne Moore and Dr. Peter Saunders. If there are anything specific from your speeches or discussions, if you like, of your own views that you can say to each other now... Well, obviously, we have different views, and I respect Dr Saunders as a, as a doctor, but I do not share his Christian faith. If you think that the right to life starts at conception, then I guess you're against contraception, the morning after pill, all those things, which I'm not because I believe that women should be in charge of their own reproductive systems, and I think that's a great advance for, for all of us, actually, not just um, women, but for men too. And one of the things that you talk about, you have compassion for women, you say, but women have no rights. Now, I don't really want your compassion. I say this with, with uh, respect. I want the right to do what is best for me, my children, my family, my circumstances. My sense of valuing women's lives and your sense of valuing the life of the fertilised egg. Yes, in my hierarchy of rights... 
the adult woman has more right than the fertilised egg. Do you think that women in crisis uh, with an unplanned pregnancy should be given every opportunity to consider options other than abortion? And if they're, if they're wanting to consider those options, that they should be properly resourced and helped in order to go through with them? I believe in the right to choose and part of that right means I wouldn't impose my views on to somebody else so I believe if a woman wants to go ahead with the pregnancy and, her, and go for adoption they should be supported in that absolutely just as they should be supported in their choice to terminate but in your ideal world where women with a little bit more time and support could go forward with the pregnancy, I would say look at this government's policies, look at how we treat single mothers, look at the finances, look at the, you know, you use this word assistance, and I think we could agree that women should be assisted, you know, once they go through with the pregnancy. But the fact is, they're not. I think there are a lot of women who, when they find themselves with an unplanned pregnancy, are genuinely in, in crisis, have feelings of ambiguity about it, and really uh, should be given an opportunity to explore the options that are there. Thank you very much, Suzanne Moore, and thank you very much, Dr Peter Saunders, for joining us today. And you, the listener, I'm sure you'll have many views on this, you do have the opportunity to contribute, so please do leave your comments on the site. Thank you. If you want to do as Emma suggests, join the debate by commenting on this podcast via our website www.thefifthcolumn.co.uk